I've worked with Chris throughout the COVID-19 pandemic in Leeds, very much as a partnership on the Clinically Extremely Vulnerable People project in the city for them to receive the support and messaging that they need, amongst other things. And what prompted me to get in touch with Chris was a tweet that he published where he was talking about collaborative commissioning. I was keen to understand what he meant by this and to explore how we can all value the contribution made by the third sector in the city. We talk about the commitment to being a child-friendly city and reference the children and young people's plan, which you can read more about from the link in the bio of this episode. Chris describes two big questions towards the end of this episode, so do sit back and enjoy. Okay, in this episode of the Making Stuff Better podcast, we're joined by Chris Dickinson. So welcome, Chris. Hi, Graham. Thanks for having Hi. me. Yeah, no problem. Um, so firstly, can you tell us a little bit about who you are, um, where you fit, where you sit in the lead system? And because I'm a bit nosy, um, how did you get to where you are today? Sure. Yeah. So my current role is head of commissioning in children and families, and okay. I work at Leeds City Council. Yeah. Um, so um so that role is is sort of part uh, is a partnership role in the sense that it involves working closely with the nhs the third sector things like that um and in terms of how how i got to that role so my background is in community development something completely different um and and community organizing as it's sometimes described in america where i'm from so if anyone spots my odd accent that will be why yeah um and i spent about sort of 10 years in sort of various community development roles in lincolnshire doncaster wakefield and then leeds yeah um so i began as head of commissioning first in adults where I led on commissioning substance misuse services, offender management services like that. Um, so shout out to Forward Leads, our, our, our substance misuse service in the city. Yeah. Um, but I'm now leading on our directorate's commissioning activity in children and families. So um, sort of a public sector commissioner, mm-hmm. um, but also with that background in community development and working with the third sector. Okay, so 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 for people that to give us an example, what are the sorts of services or things that you would be commissioning within the city? So, I guess as local authority commissioner, my role in the broader sense is that I s- sort of support the council and to manage how we work with our external workforce. Maybe we'll come on to that in a, in a bit more, but that notion that we employ a lot of social workers and teachers etc that work in children and families and in 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 at leeds um and my role is to kind of support that sort of it's an outward facing role working with all of those services and individuals um that that are that are working outside of leeds city council um so you know that includes youth workers family support workers um foster carers um, personal assistance for children with learning disabilities, things like that. So right. all the sorts of services that we need externally, 
um, that we might not provide ourselves or we need extra capacity from what we can provide ourselves internally. Um, and so a, a big part of my sort of commissioner's role is working in that sort of formal commercial arrangement around contracts and grants. Um, but, you know, a big part of my role as well as kind of that influencing commissioning, that that strategic relationship that we have with the third sector, with the NHS, um, that's about, you know, solving problems together, not just about contracts and grants. Um, so it's sort of both of those aspects. Okay. And I suppose I suppose that leads on quite nicely. So you recently sent out a tweet um, which piqued my interest. So, you know, people won't know, listen to this, but we've worked together um, over the COVID um, pandemic times on uh, on shielding of clinically extremely vulnerable people. So I'm aware of I'm aware of you in the city, but you sent out a tweet um, which sparked my interest in thinking, OK, this would be an interesting guy to, to come on the podcast. And you were you were thinking about the value of working closely with the third sector in Leeds around collaborative commissioning. So that was that piqued my interest. So wonder if you could just expand on that. And what were you what were you thinking about when you when you sent that tweet? Yeah, no, I, I think one of the things that I get a lot as commissioner is lots and lots of conversations about how the public sector makes an investment in the services that that we need to see. And a lot of times the conversation really focuses on that sort of transactional bit yeah. that, you know, um, where we, you know, write a specification for a service and we put it out to tender. We have providers that deliver that through a contract. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, we I really do understand the value of the third sector as a commissioner in their own right. Um, you know, the, the, the value of what the third sector does in Leeds, particularly for children and families, but I'm sure for a lot of other sort of interest groups in the city, far exceeds what we pay them to deliver. Yeah. Um, and there's there's something about really valuing that contribution um, and recognizing that the third sector can be a commission provider. Um, sometimes they're Ofsted registered or CQC registered even, you know, um, but, you know, they, they also can um, be a strategic partner as well. Um, and the sort of importance of recognizing that, um, you know, to respond to some of our biggest challenges in the city, we need to recognize that relationship is, is as important, if not more important than the sort of contractual one we have sometimes as commissioners. Yeah. Okay, and I wondered, so how, so how does that, so have you got any examples of, of particular third sector organisations where, where you're beginning, I don't know if beginning is the right word, but recognising that the value that they, that they bring to the children and young family, children and families in the city? Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. And, and I think maybe the workshop sort of that we're planning with the tweet that you mentioned is kind of helps flesh that out a bit and what I think what we're trying to do with the workshop is sort of say you know there's there's four kind of different bits to the commissioning cycle one of them is very much focused on 
designing services and buying them you know but a lot of the kind of commissioning cycles about reviewing needs so what are the needs in the city what's the data telling us what are communities telling us what are children and families telling us about what their needs are Um, and that is a really important part of making sure that what we deliver is is needed is is of value and responds uh, appropriately and the third sector is a brilliant partner in doing that in so many ways and there's specialist organizations in the city who are really good at helping to advocate for particular interest groups so uh you you know you've got those sort of advocacy groups and and in you know in 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 children and families we work quite closely with young lives leads who is part of voluntary action leads but you know helps sort of uh helps bring in the voice of the third sector um and and helps us make sure that when we're looking at data that tells us about need in the city that we're uh doing that in a way that helps us understand that full picture yeah so um so that's that's one part of of that and and how you know we really value those sorts of contributions and if we're talking so you know we hear a lot about um health equity or uh, health inequalities you know not just in leeds but do you see you know how do you approach fair and equitable access to children and families for the services that that we're providing in the city do you see a difference you know where people live in the city they get a different type of service is that good is that bad or you know where where's your thinking around around that yeah i mean absolutely as i think you know any commissioner has to make sure that services are responding to need and those needs won't be the same across the city um at all i I mean uh, central to understanding that is to look at you know how needs are changing over time certainly covid is impact on that um you know but i i think what we're what we're seeing is that the needs aren't the same across the city so you know for example there's some real differences um in one parts of the city than another so for example 50 percent of children who are who are take who are taken into care of the local authority to look after their safety 50 percent of them come from just you know 10 percent of the city um you know and 40 percent of all new primary school children all those children who are turning four and five and are entering primary school um you know uh, come 40 percent of them come from the 10 percent most deprived parts of leeds so there's a real increase in child poverty in the city um so we can't just provide you know a service that is equally distributed across the whole of the geography of the city we have to respond to um at least child population so some parts of the city have a higher child population so we need to respond to that on a basic population level but then there's different levels of need as well um so we have to take that into account when we're planning our services to make sure that there's the right level of resource to respond to that need yeah so on that so if you if you're using the data and you know where the variation or the need is does that result in reactive services being provided or you're also looking at 
proactive services to to essentially head off some of that inequality or need later on in life yeah absolutely um you know when so we've been reviewing our youth services in the city so leeds is one of the few local authorities nationally that still makes a, a big investment into youth work which we see as an you know an essential role within the city to support young people um and you know youth workers will tell you youth work works best when it's a universal offer um when it when it's there when young people need it rather than pulling names off of a list and assigning them a youth worker um and and that's that's a real challenge um but when we were reviewing youth work in the city we recognized that you know where we were spending the money needed to be reviewed um and how you know what level of provision in different parts of the city needed to change um so we sort of had to look at what what was the formula that helps us make that decision and i sort of referenced the difference between sort of population level and need and you know we 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 allocated some of that resource based purely on where how many children live where and then we allocated some of that resource based on what the additional needs are so we weighted it both on population and need um, and we are you know we're doing that for our early help services so those are the services that support families early in the life of the problem where we can support them to respond to the issues that are impacting their families before before they become harder to deal with and we're looking at resource in a similar way um both trying to understand what what the sort of wider population is and 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 also what the pockets of need are as well okay okay so so i think what i'm hearing is you're you're using some some data some you know routinely collected data but also reaching out into communities to hear the voices of what people need and i suppose triangulating that with I suppose subject matter experts so so that sort of triumvirate of of intelligence to say right this is all we've got what are we going to do with this information yeah absolutely and the the in the input from you know children and their families their parents is really key to that as well so we make sure we build in that as part of the process children's services has got a really good sort of um, approach just generally to engaging um, uh, parents and children in in a lot of the decision making that the directorate undertakes. So, um, you know, shout out to our voice and influence team and the work that they do. Um, uh, And and this year we we saw our Leeds Children's Mayor give their manifesto in the city, which is always an exciting time of the year. but as part of commissioning decisions, we involve um, children and parents at the different parts of the commissioning cycle. So at one part of the cycle, they're helping us look at the data and helping us understand um, and interpret what that means and give us confidence around some of the decision making, perhaps around how resources need to be allocated. And then at the other end of the commissioning cycle where we have to decide you know which providers are awarded contracts they're helping us score those bids Fabulous. and making and make sure that providers have the kind of right ethos underpinning yeah. their delivery yeah. model as well 
So, I mean, that takes a lot of time and resource, but the difference you get from getting that right is is really yeah. important. And is, so that approach, is that is that unique to Leeds or is that something across the board um, in local authorities? Oh, you know, yeah, is it unique to Leeds? I don't think it's necessarily unique to Leeds, but we're really proud of it in Leeds. Yeah. And we're proud of the practice of engaging um, children and families and, and, and getting their voice and, and uh, an influence into what we do. Um, and we've, you know, really focused on that quite a lot in Leeds in particular, some great examples nationally of that happening, um, you know, Leeds has, has set itself out to be a, a child-friendly Leeds, a uh, child-friendly city, and yeah. we've got, uh, we, we might come on to it in a little bit, but we've got a, a Leeds Children and Young People's Plan that not only sets out outcomes and objectives and measures, it also talks about the behaviours and how we'll work. And listening to what children are telling us is one of those behaviours that we've committed to get right within the partnership. Okay, so coming on to that then, so it's not, so I suppose it's so the, the city, the organisations that you, you that you work in and with, they've all come together to develop this children and young people's plan. It's not, it's not, it's nothing, yeah, someone's thought about it and really considered what the city, the direction of the city. So I suppose leading on to a question, how do you know that what you're doing and how you're commissioning services, listening to people, tailoring services to different parts of the city. How do you know that that is working? How do you know it's making stuff better for those communities and people? Yeah, no, ab absolutely. I mean, I think um, there's a couple of different ways to think about that. We know it on an individual child basis. Um, you know, we have some statutory obligations to meet the needs of, of children. Um, so, for example, where a child has an education, health and care plan, um, you know, we identify what the needs of that child together with the child, with their parents and with the sort of practitioners supporting that family. Um, and we make, you know, we support a plan to be co-produced and developed. And then we review that to see how that's working. So. Um, that's that, you know, child-centered, personalized way of identifying if we're making a difference. We've talked about data a little bit, um, and, you know, where data tells us about how we're supporting cohorts of individuals rather than just one, generally speaking. Um, but we can use that data to look at how we're making a difference over time. Um, and another one of the things that we've set out in our children and young people's plan is a commitment to using outcomes based accountability. Yeah. And that has helped us sort of identify what will make the biggest difference in helping achieve our strategic outcomes and help us, you know, look at what the trends would uh, are now and, and what will make the difference in changing those trends and in particular you know, Leeds has sort of bucked the trend nationally in the number of children entering care. Um, and while a lot of other local authorities have seen a pretty steady increase, Leeds has, has managed, despite, you know, an economic downturn nationally, um, to, to try and keep that fairly level, at least, which is, which is really difficult. Um, COVID definitely hasn't helped that in Leeds, but yeah. taking that approach has... Um, 
put us on the right footing to to make the biggest difference that we can. So so that's so a child level of approach and there's sort of a population cohort approach to measuring the difference we're making. Yeah. And so from where you sit in the system, how does that how does that make you feel that we are keeping the, the number of people, the number of children entering care stable or even reducing that number? How does that make you feel? Well, I mean, it's not really good enough, is it? You know, I, I think uh, is is the honest answer. I mean, you know, we take a limited amount of reassurance when we compare ourselves to other core cities, to our, you know, our, our regional partners in the Yorkshire and Humber region. We take a little bit of reassurance that, you know, that 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 we're perhaps doing better, but you know, the real challenge is, you know, um, working much earlier to preventing that escalation of need um, and to making sure that we're joining up our resources early in the life of a problem. Yeah. Um, so that's a lot of the focus of our conversations are around that. Yeah. And how's that received across the city? You know, uh, are organisations and people and third sector, are they up for this sort of, you know, collaborative coming together type work? Uh, absolutely. I mean, I, I think on a general level, definitely yes. Um, you know, I think partly because we've got a great partnership in the city, you know, really, uh, you know, well led at all different levels. And I think a real commitment to the children and young people's plan. And um, we also have quite an easy to define cohort on, of population you know all people aged zero to 18 or yeah. up to 25 if they have additional needs it's, it's quite easy to communicate that some of the other sort of population groups in the city around long-term conditions and other things like sometimes are a little bit harder to define so we we benefit from having a really easy to define define population group yeah. I, um and you know um the ccg are a huge a uh, uh, hugely beneficial partner into that and really see really see as equal partners in with children and families in Leeds City Council and responding to some of those issues. I think there's a wider challenge in the partnership is so mu much of what we do is taking an all ages approach. Okay. Um, and sometimes getting the best outcome for children and families needs a bit more of a focused approach. Okay. Um, sometimes it's hard to uh, uh, to focus on achieving outcomes for everyone um, and and you applying the same approach. So um, you know, in in children's services, we talk about taking a, a think family approach. You know, when you're say you're supporting an adult who's got a, a, maybe a smoking issue or a weight management issue. Is that adult a parent, <laughs> or if you're supporting an uh, you know uh, an adult who has a substance misissue, are there children in the family? You know, and are we are we developing and designing our services in a way that recognise that these adults that we're supporting uh, might have children in the household, or they might be supporting children even outside the household as well, and and yeah. and making sure that we're taking a think family approach to adult services. And I suppose so alongside that it's that it's that treating the person as a whole, isn't it? Because a particular a person might be on a particular pathway for 
diabetes or or whatever it might be. But yes, they've also got childcare and responsibilities. And how does that, how do the the conditions or the the things that 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 person presents with, how does that impact on the young people or the other people that live in the same household as them? So yeah, okay, I can see how that could work. Yeah, okay. And I wondered, so I think we came together briefly because potentially we were in the wrong place at the wrong time on a particular meeting, but we, we've we worked together um, over the COVID time, um, supporting ch uh, clinically extremely vulnerable people, which included children. So I wondered if you, did you have any, I don't know, uh, wise words or, or how when we came together to, to support those clinically extremely vulnerable children and, and families, um, how did a partnership approach benefit those families? Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, the supporting children and families, the department I work for to uh, meet the needs of clinically extremely vulnerable children and and their parents. So sometimes we're talking about so taking a parental approach there. Yeah. They're not just children. There's parents who are clinic. So you could have a child who's 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 not unwell, but their parents are, and that child's going to school and coming home and perhaps creating risk for their parent as well. Yeah. But that was an extremely you know well-led program looking at clinically extremely vulnerable children in the city, and I think is a real credit to how it would how it was led and a real focus on minimizing risk as much as possible and i was really reassured by the approach that sort of we took as a partnership and uh, how it was led by rachel loftus and and i think a real credit to making sure that we weren't missing the opportunity to identify you know the right messages at the right time and gosh, the policy changed so much over time, didn't it? You know, several lockdowns, several policy changes. And um, so that was that was a real a difficult program to, to be involved with because it was quite technical and changing constantly. I think there was also the kind of recognition that for for children, um, you know, they're missing out on school when they're having to isolate at home. Um, and the impact that has and the importance of making sure that both clinically vulnerable children and children who aren't unwell have equal access to a good quality education and trying to minimize the impact of having clinical vulnerabilities on, on, on children being able to, you know, participate in, you know, nurturing and helpful and positive learning environment in school and really yeah. you know school is the, is the best place for children to be for so many reasons so the program really helped us work quite closely with head teachers gps and parents and children to sort of manage that risk yeah. uh, mostly on a population level but yeah. sometimes it was about finding the right guidance for individual parents as well and their children yeah. And have you been able to take any learning from that experience into, I don't know, I suppose, to the normal, in inverted commas, day job? Because I, I think I, you, you, you talked about communication, and I think that was one of my take homes from the, the CEV project, was that really focused 
communication in all sorts of different languages, making it accessible, making it plain English. You know, is there is there any any sort of learning like that that you that you're going to sort of take away and and roll out in bed as you go forward? I think um, I think more broadly around COVID in general. I think we we had to find different ways of engaging with each other, didn't we? A lot of it was virtually um and you know that's a real challenge for children's services where we're not just trying to support the best outcomes for children sometimes it's about safeguarding and sometimes you know you can't provide the safest services virtually alone and and i think what it highlighted was the importance of managing risk of having face-to-face contact and understanding how you manage that risk in a pandemic context. Um, That was really interesting to see how our commission services, how our social work services, how to engage in that context to keep delivering the services that are needed and and keep children safe and support parents where we needed to. But it also provided opportunities to develop relationships in a way that maybe we wouldn't have otherwise. And I know that our director of children's services and our deputy director of children's services have been able to have more regular contact with all head teachers in the city. They had an, you know, a weekly head teachers Zoom call, yeah. which provided more contact between our director and those head teachers than we had prior to COVID. And that's brilliant. And I know that's something that as a city we've reflected on that we'll, we'll, we'll look to continue as well. So there's some positive things there too. Fantastic. That is good news. Good. Okay. So I think we'll we'll now we'll now go in for the big question. So as regular listeners to this podcast will know, I like to get our guests to to ask a challenging question. Um so Chris, what is your big question for the for the listeners of the podcast? I feel like this is this is like desert island discs <laughs> and you're asked to like, you know, bring bring one you could bring one book kind of thing. Um, um, uh, can I be greedy and have two? I, don't know. Uh, I think I think I mentioned something about taking a think family approach and I talked about it already on the podcast before. And I think there's I guess the question I would ask is, you know, how can people listening to this podcast and maybe people working in services across leads? How can you take a think family approach in what in what you do? Um, sort of recognizing that if you're working in an all ages service or services that's specifically focused on adults, um, you know, what what can you do to make sure you're reflecting on what the needs of children in that household might be? Um, Sort of acknowledging that sort of future generations impact. Um, And so I suppose suppose that's my big question. And the other one, the thing that's really sort of important to me and is, you know, you picked up at the beginning of the podcast and I tweeted about was how do we recognize the value of the third sector in the city you know not just as sort of provider but also as commissioner infrastructure support provider to the city um you know and and as well as that sort of community end of it recognizing that third sector includes community organizations who are run by volunteers so how can we develop, foster, and promote the third sector um, as well as as we're delivering our work? Both great questions. Yeah, thank you very much. Right. Well, we'll we'll wrap things up there, and I'll let you get back to your day. Um, so, 
I really appreciate the, the time that all of our guests give, but uh, thank you very much, Chris. Um, hope to see you in person one day. So Indeed. Thank Thanks so much for having me and uh, catch up soon. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast, which is now available on some really big audio platforms, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, and the Apple Podcast app. If you like what we're doing here, do like, subscribe, and share it across your networks, as that would mean a lot to me. So until next time, keep making stuff better and tell people about it.